As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, everyone. Well, despite some late drama, it's another happy Monday after all. Here's Bruno Fernandes. Go back in towards Ronaldo! No mistake the second time. It had to be him, didn't it? Here's Lingard. Jesse Lingard! It is the scenario that West Ham fans were dreading. The player who reignited his career on loan here last season gets atonement for his mistake on Tuesday night. Yarmolenko, now they're appealing for handball. Martin Atkinson has pointed for the corner, but was Shaw's arm outstretched here? Well, certainly not by his side. As a footballer, it is a natural position, although it doesn't particularly knock it. But that's no surprise he's given it. No ball. Saved by De Gea! It's an incredible stop by David De Gea that looks as though it's rescued the win for Manchester United. Right, I finished that, wasn't it? Another away win for Manchester United, another goal for Ronaldo and another match-winning moment for Jesse Lingard at the London Stadium. His second of the week for United as well. At least this one was at the right end. Well done, Jesse. That's the way to redeem yourself, certainly. Right, we need to get to the introduction of our friends joining us on the podcast today. So first up, Carl Anker, who was there at West Ham yesterday. Hello, Carl. Hello, mate. How are you going on? Very good, thank you. And also joining us as well, Andy Mitten, whose bottom is now fully healed, I believe. <laughs> Hello, Ian. Hello, Carl. Um, you have no idea whether my bottom's fully healed or not, <laughs> and it isn't quite fully healed. But oh, okay. let's crack on and talk about football. Crack on, I see what you did there. Nice one, Andy. Right. <laughs> Before we get into the match, Carl, I believe you managed to just about escape the West Ham Ultras and their analysis of your clobber yesterday. Pray tell. <laughs> yes. So uh, after victory, sort of met. Uh, one of my friends, Steve, uh, in one of the pubs in Stratford-Westfield. And, and uh, I think this was just after the Chelsea-Spurs game had finished. So quite a few fans had filled out. So it was just mostly disappointed West Ham fans. 
get to the bar and these two uh, West Ham fans sort of look me up and down and they go, what are you doing dressed like that in a place like this? What do you do for a living, sir? And I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a writer. Goes, oh, you uh, you a United fan or whatever? I was like, um, ah, you know, I just sort of write about them. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, was like, I played rugby around the corner not too long ago, which is true. You know, I'm from that area. Just trying to keep on the hush-hush before too many West Ham fans realise sure. what I'm doing, drinking uh, £5.50 pints in Stratford-Westfield, laughing about what was a bit of a smash and grab, wasn't it? <laughs> I got sent a picture of you, Carl, by one of my mates who listens to this podcast and you you were wearing a full Manchester United uh, kit with, <laughs> with shorts and socks and 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 you had shin pads uh, in as well so I'm not surprised that an extra from Green Street who supports West Ham um, asked do you support him mate but anyway I hope you were smiling as well after that late great win I think we've all been there haven't we when we get that question somewhere near an away ground are you a United fan and you never know whether to say proudly yeah of course I am, as you look at the sort of 50 eyes that have suddenly switched across to the bar where you stood. Or just sort of say something like you did, Carl. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, well, I was like, yeah, you know, I play rugby around here. You know, I grew up around that all area. All right, mate, yeah, yeah, don't be like that. It's all right. Yeah, yeah it's all right. It's One right. of my favourites was outside Anfield in 2016 and I was trying to interview Liverpool fans. So you're reversing it a bit. And I went up to a lad, he looked a proper scouse lad. And I said, uh, any chance can I ask you a few questions for a, for a Man United podcast, mate? And he just looked at me with absolute disgust and said, I'd rather have my liver taken out right now. And like, there were no smiles. There was no, oh, I'm only joking, mate. That was it. And Palmer respects him for that, that he just <laughs> didn't want anything to do with me. But part you just absolutely shit yourself, yeah? <laughs> no, no, I mean, because I knew, I knew that like he, he, he couldn't assault me because he, he well. basically there's, there's cameras, there's cameras everywhere for one, but also uh, I like the fact they didn't want to speak, but also when you do properly speak to away fans, it can be some of the most engaging and interesting comments that you get. But you know, God loves a trier. I gave him a go, and then uh, I got his girlfriend in, instead, and she was absolutely fine. So, what was interesting or engaging about his response that time, Andy? Now, I just love the fact that. He despised Manchester United so much that he didn't have a second of time for me. And I don't think that's normal, by the way, because I've done stuff with Liverpool fans at Anfield and they tend to be like, yeah, go on then, whatever. But I don't know. I like I like the enmity sometimes in football, especially when it's Liverpool and Manchester United. It's good to have a bit of needle between fan bases, Andy, I think. It's that. Uh, there was a nice, nice, nice bit of pantomime to it all. I'm not saying that should extend in, into violence, uh, but some of the greatest derbies in the world are when there is that enmity and needle. And I don't know, Ian, you, what about Jesse Lingard yesterday? That was, he, he, he added a lot to that, didn't he? I love Jesse Lingard's celebration. I absolutely love the fact that as he's running past Eklund Rice and he's you know he's just scored, he's keeping a lid on it all, I'm being respectful, the hands are out and all this sort of stuff. And then the closer he got to the away end, the more he was pushed by his teammates, he couldn't help that little grin Andy coming out, could he? I thought he handled it quite well because he must have been conflicted yeah. because West Ham was great for Jesse Lingard and probably gave him the confidence to, to do something like take a shot in the last minute uh, like that and... I thought the the welcome West Ham fans gave him was very fair as well, and they they appreciated uh, how how good he'd been. But he was conflicted. But I like the reaction from several of his Manchester United teammates. Were like, "Come on, 
come on, you're a local lad, you play for Manchester United, you've just scored an absolute brilliant. There's a bit, when the goal comes in, uh, Scott McTominay is off the pitch and he's right close to the away fans and he's sort of beckoning him over like, come here, come here, come here, rub it in, celebrate. Uh, Which made things quite funny because I think one of the United fans sort of spilt over and a steward had to sort of restrain him and just, just like McTominay just trying to whip up all this fury like, this is it, we've won, we've done it. Uh, well, also as well, it's, I mean, we'll talk about it in a moment, I'm sure, because there are a lot of things to get through, certainly. Um, but it was probably the, the, the first moment that those away fans had had like that, you know, when everyone's been allowed back in, because the away matches, you know, the goals have been scored at different times. The fact that it's a winner in the last minute, I mean, there was jeopardy even after that goal, but there certainly was when, when Lingard scored. So, you know, I, I, I don't blame anyone, really, for forcing Jesse to smile. I think that's a really good point. Um, I a late winner in front of a packed away end. We didn't get that in Burn, did we? Um, Southampton um, was was more difficult. Wolves, we spoke about that that away end not being great. The away end at West Ham's not great. The lower tier is better th- th- than the back bit. But my, my 14-year-old brother was there and he sent me some footage after the game. And it was just like, this is the greatest thing that can happen to a human. And he's so into like going to games. It doesn't get to go all of it. He can't get tickets. And occasionally he'll get a ticket for an away match and he gets looked after by, by older people. And that's really good, that sense of community as well. And he's sending me a picture of himself from Houston Station with a, a Portugal flag. And I see, I see this flush of innocence and enthusiasm where he's going to new cities. And he was just absolutely buzzing. And I wouldn't take that away from, from anybody. And he's not bothered that the away end's too far away from the pitch. He's just loving the moment. And football can give you those moments. And it was wonderful. I'd say I feel for West Ham fans, but I'd be lying. (laughs) So there you go. At least you're honest, I suppose. Right, before we get into it then, just a reminder that you can... Still get a 33% discount off a subscription to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod for access to all the best Manchester United coverage and also these podcasts ad-free as well. Right. Wow. We could literally probably do a podcast on just the last two minutes of this match, couldn't we? But we need to do it on the full 90 and added time. Carl, I'm going to start with you because you had quite an eventful time after the game on social media, didn't you? I think this is probably the best way to do it. Why were you so negative about Manchester United? <laughs> I didn't enjoy that game. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I thought United were were controlled in the first 20 minutes. Uh, I wouldn't say they were comfortable. Uh, I thought, you know, there's a bit of West Ham dominance between, you know, the 20th, 20th to 35th minute, which results in the goal. United sort of spur to go in at halftime at 1-1. And then I spent most of that second half not enjoying that game of football. United were... The plan is to attack at speed and at numbers in this new two-two-six sort of shape. They're trying to. There's a lot of attempts to get crosses in for Cristiano Ronaldo, which is good. If you've got Ronaldo, you should try and get him the ball. But I also saw just a lack of a plan B or a lack of a plan C. Right. So there are two or three times in possession where I'm going. You, you've got to just stop waiting for Cristiano Ronaldo to get into the box. You've got to try something else. Uh, and it felt as if a Manchester United team that had forgotten their processes. From last season, the good the good play that they had done towards the end of last season, where they were looking really established in that second second position in the Premier League, uh, there were little bits where you know Cristiano Ronaldo, not just a penalty box operator that Laurie and I have spoken about in early episodes, but he has you know 
he drops deep. He goes looking for the ball. He does come. He likes coming to the left hand side a lot as well, which means there were moments where he was stepping on Paul Pogba's toes. And I thought this isn't good enough for what Manchester United want to do. And I'm going to be really mean here and ask all of you, what is the point of Manchester United in 2021? Because if we use the Andy Mitten standard of excellence, which is top four and a trophy, yeah, United probably are good enough to be top four. Leicester City aren't the team they used to be. I don't think Arsenal or Tottenham Hotspur are good enough. So top four is going to happen. And if we're talking about a trophy, Manchester United haven't played better than two or three teams above them in the Premier League right now. They lost their opening game in the Champions League. I can't really talk about the domestic cups yet, but there's that. So I haven't seen anything from Manchester United right now to match the standard of quality and the standard of excellence that we often talk about in Manchester United. And I find that frustrating. I got to that 70th minute and I said, this is the point in the game where Solskjaer probably needs to stop playing Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandes because he needs to mix it up. And thankfully Solskjaer did bring on Jesse Lingard and bring on Jadon Sancho. And then he made that change as well. So he deserves credit for that. And after defeat against Young Boys, he said, we often talk about the outcomes rather than the intentions. So I think if we, you know, the outcome of that game was really good and fun. If you talk about the intentions of that game, Manchester United weren't very good for at least 45 minutes. And that's not good enough for what Manchester United want to be. And that's why I was annoyed. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I think there's, there's a couple of things here. When I say fourth and a trophy, that was last season. I think if Manchester United finished fourth and won the League Cup this year, it would be disappointing. I think United, with the squad that they've got, have got a challenge properly. I think the, it's not yet a vintage side. They don't, they've not found their groove yet. You feel that they're waiting to spark. And Southampton and Wolves, these were not vintage performances. I look at the league table, and I'm really encouraged by that. United have started... Recent seasons pretty poorly, and to have 13 points from 15 games. And I made the point at the start of the season, having spoke to people inside the club, get through the international break, avoiding any sort of palace mishaps from last year, and they're onto something. I liked the first half yesterday, especially when West Ham scored. I thought Greenwood was lovely to watch. I liked Luke Shaw getting forward. Ronaldo and Bruno were, were the most talked about. Um, Bruno's passing is good. I thought there was a bit of a slump in the second half. I thought it, it just turned off. There was um, a statistic after 50 minutes, Cristiano Ronaldo has had more shots than the entire West Ham team. And by the end of it, and we're talking now through this prism of victory, and the mood would be totally different if there wouldn't have been three points, still an away win, at a very good team. One missing the best player, granted. One who played in Zagreb, which is a really hard place to go to as a fan, let alone as a player, on the Thursday night. But, but got the three points. But 
Would this Manchester United team up against Chelsea or Liverpool or City now, would they win them? I, I, I have serious doubts about that. What I would say is all of those teams have got question marks over, over their own team. Liverpool seem to have started better. City were held by Southampton at home. That's a really bad result for them at the weekend. And I just sense, I remember the treble season. Wasn't clicking up until the December. Wasn't clicking. Cole and York wasn't intentional. It just clicked at Southampton away. And Ferguson didn't plan that. Just saw it and thought, I've got a little bit of magic here. And we can see these little interplays sometimes, but it's not happening enough. And there were rusty performances. I don't think Maguire started the season uh, particularly well. We could talk about Fred and McTominay um, all day long. We can talk about Ollie. And I don't think it's fair to say that Ollie's a above any form of criticism because he is. And some of his answers don't always convince in press conferences. And they lead me wanting to ask more questions. And the design of those press conferences isn't ideal as a journalist because you cannot follow up questions. And people say to us, and you did it last week, Carl, fair play to you. Fans say to us, why don't you ask him about this, this and this? What they don't know is you basically cut off after one question. And as someone who does in-depth interviews with people, the best parts of those interviews tend to come after half an hour of proper chat and they open up and they release and press conferences are not designed for that. It, it is far from ideal. And as a journalist, it's really frustrating. You'll ask a question and before you've even had time to transcribe it, it's all over the internet. So that's not great either as, in terms of your, your business model. But I'm happy today that Manchester United won at West Ham. It was, there, there, were, there were doubts uh, after the performance after half time, we're just doing enough, I think. And I think when when the team do, that spark, was sort of your point, Carl. Really, wasn't it? I think we're both saying there's still some way to go for this team. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't. I don't want to use the word luck here because someone else did that, didn't they? This is it, right? Someone. This this United record, both in terms of comebacks and both away from home, has been going on for so long that there's something in there. There's some magic alchemy in there, and in the nicest way. It's baffling, right? You can't you can't keep being this good away from home in such a stretchy way. So United have you mean going behind and, and maybe not playing completely fluently in, in yeah. matches and, yeah. and only playing for spells. Well, yeah, I, 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 I take your point on that. Was that the biggest sort of criticism that people had about what you were writing then that that they felt United were better than what you'd suggested in the way that they played and and, and the plan that they had and the tactical sort of setup that they had. I think there's been a lot of conversation saying Manchester United played well enough to win that game and that there was a lot of conversation about whether or not Manchester United should have had a penalty and Manchester United should never play football that should leave it in the hands of a referee as far as I'm concerned. If you're leaving a game of football as Manchester United going, yeah, but the referee did this. No, that's not good enough performance. You're Manchester United. Take some damn responsibility for the other 15 men on the pitch rather than what the referee can do because... You have the means to win every single football game, and that's that's part of the Manchester United lineage, as far as I'm concerned. Rather than whinging about a referee, history remembers past achievements better than what they actually were, and that leads to a rise in expectations, fueled now by social media. Where if Newcastle United score at Old Trafford, there's this surge of people saying, "Ollie's got to go. He's, he's not good enough." I don't think it leads to to realism in the world. I'll mention the treble season one more time without being accused of going back in history. Sounding like Ollie now. <laughs> but, 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 but it's really important. Manchester United failed to win 16 league games that season in arguably the greatest ever season. 
it's never vintage all the time. I can remember title winning season after season, people going to Old Trafford saying, this is boring. People were, people were getting bored, not by brilliance, but by 2-0 home wins against it's Everton. You look at some of the stats, Man United against Everton from the start of this century to like when United became bad. It's like 1-13, drawn one, lost zero. The, 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 the times when United didn't win became notable. And I, I think it breeds to over-expectation. The Premier League, the, the standards have risen from the other teams. Long, long gone of the times when Manchester United can go to Tottenham and pluck their best players. They can't even go to Leicester City and do it because they've all got money now. Standards have risen. So the and, argument should be Manchester United should rise with them. Yeah, they should. But how do you compete against a team who's backed by a sovereign state fund or by a Russian oligarch? I think it, it's it's impossible. Uh, that's that's a very fair and valid comment. But when you're watching that game against West Ham, and I was watching that game, I was going, Manchester United are lacking a structure to break down a competent West Ham team lacking a striker. And you know, again, credit to Solskjaer for realizing it wasn't working with Pogba and Bruno on the pitch. And the thing I've often said about Manchester United and Man United's away record and whatnot is if you keep playing football in this way, you will lose. And to Solskjaer's credit, he has often changed the this way. The this way sometimes is move out Andreas Pereira, bring, bring in Bruno Fernandes. Sometimes that this way has been take off another player, bring on Cavani, like against Southampton. Sometimes it's bring on Mason Greenwood and get in the victory that they did against Tottenham Hotspur in the three run. Solskjaer's good at changing the this way for small amounts. That's good. And that's why this record exists. And that's why this record, you know, if you, look at it at a certain distance, you go, that's amazing and fantastic. Then you take a step back and you go, why didn't that lead to winning a league trophy? And then you take another step back and you go, here's some weird ebbs and flows to it. And I'm again going to Solskjaer and I'm again going to Manchester United. You cannot keep playing in this way if you want to get the things you want. So please change to this way because you're eventually reaching a point of diminishing returns in terms of keep doing what you're doing, but with better players. There's only maybe three positions now I see on that field where Manchester United genuinely need upgrades in the transfer market. This is why we're going to spend a lot of time this season talking about Wan Bissaka. This is why we're going to spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about Fred and Scott McTominay because those are the those are the most obvious ways you change it this way. But there will be a point where Solskjaer is going to be in charge because again, I don't think he should leave. I think he's doing a fine job, fine to good job and whatnot. But there's going to be a point where the team's going to be the team, and then you go. Now you have to do it all. No one's coming to save you. You have to do it yourself. And he, and he does have to. And he has to win trophies. And it is Manchester United, which is your point. And Burn might be a blip and everyone gets angry after, after Burn, but people will get more angry if Manchester United go out in the last 16 or the last eight by being well outplayed by a team with far fewer resources. He's got to deliver. He's got to deliver in Europe. He's got to deliver in the league. Fourth won't be good enough. It is tough, but we can see where the areas are that this team can improve. Start the season well. He has done, because last season was an absolute mess. And the season before was an absolute mess. And I remember texting uh, someone on that team coach back from that defeat at Newcastle. And look at the team who played at Newcastle, by the way, a couple of years ago, and compare it to now, different league. And saying to him, is this going to get any better? And the reply was, we're not over, the toolbox is not overflowing with talent at the moment but we will do our very best. And I think there's been this gradual improvement. 
No, he hasn't come in and won the European Cup. And Tuchel's gone into Chelsea, bang, 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 European champions. And that, that can sting as well. But I do think he's doing a, a decent job. There, there, there have been setbacks. There will be more setbacks. But you, you and I know Manchester United, they've got to go to a massive team away in a big match and dominate and get the three points. And only then will people be thinking, got half a chance of the league here. And we don't know whether that's going to happen because City are still favourites. Klopp's still a very, very good manager. And Oli's got to be part of this. And he shouldn't be spared criticism either. Well, that's why I feel like this season's going to be absolutely brilliant because no matter what happens, it's going to be a season that you just can't take your eye off. That's what it feels like. Anyway, we've had a lot of seasons in recent times where United have not been in the conversation towards the end of the season. We've had a lot of seasons where it's been a one-horse title race, even a two-horse title race, but Manchester United haven't been involved. And you get the sense this year that even if they're not involved, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what happens because, like you say, the barometer has gone up. And Manchester United should be involved in the title conversation now with the team that they've got. Right, let's talk about another aspect of yesterday. Um, I think this is something we can all agree on, actually. Carl, how lovely was it to see David De Gea save a penalty? Oh, that Finally. was beautiful. I, I did, did you have the moment, too, where the penalty happened and you went, oh, God, it's De Gea, this isn't happening. Only to sort of cheer deliriously and probably say a couple of swear words when he made the save. Well, the first thing that entered my head was, please, please say he was on his line. Please. <laughs> <laughs> that that came that. up in the press conference afterwards. Uh, so there was a, you know, someone mentioned the social about the Hayes penalty record. Uh, and Solskjaer went, well, no, he, he has saved the penalty. But you know, he said he came an inch off his line against Crystal Palace in the 3-1 defeat that started last yeah. season. Which, again, yeah. is, is good Solskjaer, right? This is the fact that he's not, he's never going to damn a player. And always reinforce. I, re- I always reinforce them when they've done really well. I really enjoyed how everyone went, went over to him at full time. And uh, De Gea needed that. He really did. Because I doubt there were many people thinking De Gea could save that. Uh, you know, Bringing on Mark Noble was, was an interesting play from David Moyes. I, th- I had a look at West Ham's penalty record afterwards. And it is him. He is their good penalty taker. Declan Rice missed one last season as well. I think Lingard tried taking one last season for them and, and it didn't go in. So you can see the logic in doing that. But this is that strange thing of, and I wrote about it in the piece afterwards, where I'm not going to call it luck. It's not luck that they're here. It's not, it's, I don't want to call it bad luck that Manchester United didn't win a penalty. I'm not going to call it bad luck that Manchester United had a penalty awarded against them. I'm also not going to say it's lucky the Gea saved it because if you look at the social medias from the Spanish national team over the Euros, it was very clear that Gea was doing quite a few penalty saving drills. He looked wounded from that Europa League defeat. And 100% he, looked as if, he will have worked on that. Yeah. 100%. It's a great penalty save as well. It's understanding a right foot is most likely going to try and put it to your left-hand side and then making yourself big and getting a hand to it. Yeah, and I've always found it curious that a keeper of his quality, considering how many reflex saves and so on that he's pulled off down the years, how many incredible De Gea moments have been that none of them have come when someone has taken a penalty, which, which just seems crazy, really, considering it from... Sort of the outside, it seems like a very similar skill. Um, in terms of his position now, then at United, Andy, um, we've had a few questions about this, but Bawal says it quite well actually. Is De Gea now the outright number one for you? I think he is, isn't he? De Gea has started this season very well, partly because Dean Henderson pushed him. He needed that. He absolutely needed that. One other thing I like about De Gea is he's now doing more media. He spoke to the press in Bern. He spoke after the game. He's speaking in English. He hasn't done enough. He's a senior Manchester United uh, player, 
People talk about his wages, but he is the best paid goalkeeper in, in the world, the best paid Spanish footballer. And some responsibility comes with that. So I was pleased that he did media yesterday after his great moment. But people, I think a lot of fans don't really feel that they know David De Gea. And if he wants his privacy, that's fine. That, that's got to be respected. But he's a decent person. And I've had chats with him over the years where you feel like, let that personality come out a little bit. That's and, happening as well, isn't it? And it's season. happening a bit. The, the personality and, is seeping out, yeah. And it's good. And his English is good. And he was up with Jesse yesterday. And you're a Spanish trying to listen to English. Heavily accented, fast English in the moment with a crowd behind you. It is really, really difficult. People don't realise how difficult it is. So if we speak nice and clear English, but footballers don't in the heat at the moment. And I remember my wife coming to Manchester and she spoke, she'd learned English after like two years. And one of my mate's wife said to her, I bet you're freezing when you got off the plane, weren't you? And like, <laughs> and like in a really strong Manchester accent. And I'm like, I'm just going to break that sentence down for you, love. And it was, I would imagine that you were cold when you left the plane today and arrived in Manchester. And I, every time I see David De Gea, um, in, in a context where questions are being asked. I think it must be really difficult for him, but good that he's doing them, brilliant that he's making saves like that. He is the number one. I hope Henderson comes back, pushes him and pushes him and pushes him. I hope there's loads of creative tension in there. I hope I'm getting hearing things about the training ground, that they're driving each other mad, that they're having penalty competition. Good, 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 because when that spark happens, when that Keenan-Ferguson spark happens, when you've got players going head-to-head -head with each other. When you've got Gary Pallister and Roy Keane ignoring each other for four months or Patrice Evra with whoever, 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 it's good. It's not a bad thing. Whack each other into training. Drive each other further and further and further. And out of that comes the magic which Carl says is missing at the moment, which is missing at the moment, but it, it can come. <laughs> Do you know on that, a moment I loved yesterday which probably other people spotted, I'm sure. I'm not that eagle-eyed. But Mason Greenwood throwing his arms up in disgust at Ronaldo, not, not squaring the ball for that chance, Good. Carl. That was brilliant. Good for him. I, I agree. It's exactly what he should do. But there'll be a lot of people going, you're a teenager and that's Cristiano Ronaldo. But that's what you want, isn't Doesn't it? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Stand up to Well, him. it'd happen the other way, wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't uh, think there's any doubt about a young, that. A young Wayne Rooney would go up to Ferguson and say, how much do you earn? Or he'd say, where am I playing tomorrow? Not am I playing, yeah. where am I playing tomorrow? A young Anderson goes up to Fergie, doesn't shake his hand, gives him a bear hug. I love stuff like that. Challenge him. Yeah. A young Rafael Varane, when he went to Real Madrid, he challenged Ronaldo. Even though Ronaldo was top dog, he challenged him. Don't you call me by my second name. Right? And that is what you want. And, and, and out of that, just utterly driven, win at all costs, that can produce the magic. And you sometimes need that, especially when the competition is so tough. And Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool, they're all far, far stronger than they were historically. United have got to raise the levels even higher. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So with West Ham being the topic of the day, we had hoped to speak to the Athletics Club correspondent, Roshane Thomas, but unfortunately for us, Apparently, he had a more important call to answer. How rude. But the good news is, he did speak to Mark Chapman about the Declan Rice rumours. So let's hear what he had to say on the subject of Declan Rice and Manchester United. Is he worth 100 million? He is worth 100 million. That's how much he means to West Ham because he's that good. Generational talent. In, I think it was February, Moyes said, listen, he's worth far, far more than 100 million. Far, far more than 100 million. That was before he started in the Euros for England before we won that brilliant solar run against Dynamo Zagreb. He's worth that to West Ham. I don't think, is he worth that to Manchester United or Manchester City? I can see a club paying the region of 60 to 80 million for Declan Rice. I think that's realistic. All jokes aside, mm. I think I, I, I can see a club paying that much. And listen, that's people, like, people who cover West Ham, people are West Ham fans, everyone's like, just don't go to Chelsea. You can go, but just don't go to Chelsea. So I think realistically, you're looking at Man City or Man United. Man City being Fernandinho was in the last year, so he could be a long-term replacement. You're looking at Man United, I know they played reasonably good in midfield, but you've got Fred, there's still question marks over him. I think Scott McTominay is a really good player, so him and Rice could form a good partnership. I think realistically, those are two clubs that Rice could join next season. Yes, that was Rashane on the Athletics Football Show, and there was plenty more where that came from as well. You can hear that interview in full via the Athletics app, if you're a subscriber, of course, or wherever you get your podcasts. Andy, here we go again. Manchester United versus Manchester City for a football player. We've seen this one before, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Sometimes with hilarious consequences. When, what are you uh, talking Dim- about? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few. One of my favourites was Dimitar Berbatov. And, and in recent years, speaking to him, he's like, no, nah, I was never going to go there. What's that? be nice to see what Cristiano says in, in the fullness of time. Um, <laughs> Manchester United, like Declan Rice, have liked him for a while. Was it a priority in the summer? No, he wasn't. Will United be paying 100 million? I doubt it very much. Is his price inflated because of his his nationality? Uh, Probably. Uh, I spoke to him after the Euros, after a game. I thought he spoke really well, was really assured. Uh, Are there too many Cockneys in Manchester United's team at the moment? Yeah, that's a big concern because you've got Shaw, you've got Wan-Bissaka. So, you know, this this seriously needs to be talked about. Do you not let another Cockney into United's team? Um, In terms of his football style, Beckham did all right. From Carl's neck of the wood. Yeah, he did all right. Top player in person. Uh, I always bow to what Manuel Pellegrini told me. He knows a lot more about Declan Rice than I do. He was the one who insisted that he stayed at West Ham when West Ham wanted to send him on loan. And Pellegrini's told me twice now he will improve if he goes to a bigger club and he's good enough to go to a bigger club. I think there's a touch of the Michael Carrick's with him in so much as you don't fully appreciate him until he's, until he's gone. And you think this isn't a star player. You can't measure his assist. You can't measure his goals as readily as 
his contribution uh, in, in terms of putting the balls through the lines. But I like him. I like his uh, his mentality. He's a battler. And I know he impressed United last season. And one of the comments put to me was he slimmed down and looks fitter as well. And David Moyes is, is, is not a bad judge of a player either. You really need to win David Moyes over. Take out the 10 months at Man United. I know lads who played for him at Everton. And they really, really had to work hard to, to, to win his trust. So will he be coming to Old Trafford? I don't know. It's not been decided. It's as simple as that. But look at the current situation with the team and you can see that it's one area which will be discussed. Of course, United are taking on West Ham again this week. Chapter two. Hope it's just as dramatic and ends with the same result, of course. Carl, do you think Declan Rice will be part of a West Ham lineup? Because both these teams are likely to name vastly different teams, aren't they, for this match? Uh, the magic of the Carabao Cup. It's back. I think that's probably going to be a game where Lingard might start rather than come off the bench with that one. I'd like to see Jaden Sancho start this one as well. Can he start on the right wing as well, please? <laughs> yes, Sancho on the right is, is what I want to see the most of because that, that's the point and get him in. I can't make my mind up on Sancho just yet. I know it's really early days, but it feels like we need to play him in his correct position at least before we even start to judge him. I mean, this is the fun thing. Jaden Sancho was so much fun for Dortmund that his correct position by the end of it could have been the left-hand side. So he's also started a couple of seasons slowly in Dortmund as well. So obviously doesn't play too much football in the Euros, gets ill after the tournament ends as well, so, and turns up to, to Carrington later than probably wanted. So Ollie said some some pretty good, nice things about him before the West Ham game. Of just this will take time, and I'm sure we'll be sat here, you know, in the new year, going, and when we were scared about Jaden Sancho, Jaden Sancho's too good to not do well at Manchester United. I think it's going to just take a little bit of teething as he goes from uh, there are two or three moves he liked doing in Dortmund that he tr- has tried to do at United that haven't quite clicked yet because some of his teammates haven't quite realised what he's doing. He can be a little bit deceptive with two or three of his players, in particular one where he sort of, you'll see this sometimes, where he sort of like drags the ball back towards the corner, corner, uh, corner flag and he wants someone to do the underlapping run so he can play it in and then do an underlap. Whereas he did this once for Manchester United and sort of you saw Fred and Wambaseka look at him and go, are you trying to kill time here? Should I be running? And that'll, that'll get better because you want Sancho to say, make the damn run. There was a moment, um, so there was a moment against West Ham where I saw, uh, I'm going to try and say his name right, Varane. Uh, Go on, lad. <laughs> Varane moved towards the to corner flag in the final third. Uh, and he was very clearly running in a particular direction and Wan-Bissaka was in the way. And Wan-Bissaka didn't move left or right. The ball gets cleared and Varane just looks and goes, get out of the way. So I think this this is going to happen for two or three of the new signings as, as they make their uh, preferred runs and their preferred passes a bit clearer to their new teammates. Yeah, I should reference at this point as well, the reason I shouted, go on, lad, after Karl Anker pronounced the Manchester United player's name was because we've had a lot of messages about Karl's ability to pronounce Varane, Varane, Varane. Um, Sav P says, my favourite talk of the Devil's subplot is quickly becoming how many ways can Karl say Varane before he's corrected? Um, so I guess today's the day, Sav. So nice one for your message. I'm going to try and learn. I'm going to try and learn. Varan. Uh, Varan. Man with a van. Varan was how I said it to you before we started. Good. Um, Good. Something about school and, and rhyming couplets or something. I don't know. <laughs> Andy, help me. Oh, he's a brilliant, brilliant player. I just I was hoping yesterday because he's so fast. People have not really seen how fast he is yet. 
I just thought the Olympic Stadium, this is set for him. Just give him a hundred meter sprint, and he would have done it in like nine point two seconds, and like zipped right up and broke the world record because he's he's in a suit. It, it, look, Varane is not going to get a word of criticism for me for at least four months, and he'd have to do something really badly wrong. Uh, in his case, another point on Sancho, he's a cockney. This is another I forgot to mention in the original things. I met two footballers yeah. from his estate uh, yeah, when I was yeah. in London covering the Euros, and they were really proud of the number of players who'd come out of South London, and they were reeling through them all. And they just got to um, to Sancho, and they just went baller, proper baller, and they were so proud of him. I, I really like that. I'm not concerned. He's not done anything yet. He he, he will do. He's a top player. He'll, he'll need a bit of time to settle in. That's absolutely fine. I mean, just been under this cloud of speculation for so long. You wonder how it affects affects your brain. But I've not heard anything which which concerns me. And if eight of your eleven are playing well, you're going to win football matches. So he's not done anything so far. But it'd be nice, wouldn't it, if he um if he has his moment where he where he just comes in and and has a great game. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think Oli has to be careful as well that he doesn't make too many changes for this game as well. Because like we've been saying, you know, the barometer's gone up and trophies are now expected, aren't they, at Manchester United? are running the League Cup he's had, but obviously a League Cup win is something that, that he's not had. A trophy win is something that he's not had. So he needs to take this game importantly because I think West Ham will name a fairly strong lineup for this as well. OK, let's get to your questions then. So our mailbag bulging once again with lots and lots of you getting in touch. Again, look out always on the real-time section of the Athletic app for Carl or Laurie putting a message out about this. This was included in in Carl's roundup after the game yesterday. Lots and lots of questions after that West Ham game. Uh, so, Carl, first of all, uh, Cameron, uh, Andy actually referred to this earlier, but what do you think of Maguire's performances so far this season? I feel he looks less assured. Could that be because he's taking more risks now that he's next to Varane, <laughs> Varane and Varane? I think it it comes from this this slightly different shape they're playing in build-up. So there were parts last season that they basically played 3-1-6, where one of your defensive midfielders, it used to be Matic was very good at this when he was playing out of football work, but then sometimes it, it, it's Fred, which is erratic sometimes, because I'm doing a big shrug of the shoulders here. Because he's That's Fred. It. Because he's Fred. Sorry. He was all right on, on Sunday. I think everyone was all right on Sunday. He was um, all right in Burn as well. Yeah. yeah. I think I thought he was quite good in Burn, actually. But anyway, because Varane is here, and they're going, they're you know, United have changed the shape to to two centre backs, then two central midfielders, then six attack all in one go. There's just that little less security blanket, and, and Maguire, I, I'm not quite sure if he's figured out what he wants to do. So his average placing against West Ham was a little further forward from Varane. You noticed the pause as I went to say that there. Uh, it will come good. It's it can. I hope that... you can see his hands. I'm really sorry. That that four unit of the centre backs and the defensive midfielders have a lot of space to cover, especially in the wide area. So if, if whenever United have a attacking move breakdown and West Ham or be it Newcastle or, or to some extent Southampton break in higher numbers, it is often you know can Maguire make that tackle or if he can't, can he delay? until wan gets back, or can he delay until Scott McTominay gets back, or can he delay until Fred gets back? If it is a case where Fred is the one that made a tackle early and it goes, it breaks down a bit, then it falls on Maguire. Um, and I think it's that half and half of, he doesn't quite know everything about Varane behind him, and he doesn't quite know if he should engage early, or if he should just wait. But this this will come good in you know, two or three weeks. If you look about you know, the start of last season, Maguire didn't really start the season well. I think Andy spoke about how it was quite disappointing. He didn't talk after 
to press after the 6-1 defeat against Spurs. And then by the end of the season, we were all lamenting that he was injured and realising that he was probably the best centre-back in the Premier League, if not one of the better centre-backs in the world. Um, so yeah, he'll come good because he's Harry Maguire now and he's just an incredible marathon man. Yeah, and, he, and he's been good over the course of the last 12 months or so, hasn't he, for club and country. Um, we've only got time for one more question, unfortunately. Please keep them coming, though, guys. We've had so many questions. It's always busy on a Monday, but we'll get to as many of them on each podcast as we can. But we need to address this from Vishal. Will you boys record Talk of the Devils naked if we win the league? Hey, it worked for Gary Lineker in Leicester City. Well, Vishal, I can answer that for everyone in a word. No. Right, the best of the... Articles on The Athletic this week on Manchester United. Is good enough? Good enough is one of Carl's. Uh, I think we've addressed it, I think. Go and have a read, though, if you've not seen it. That's on The Athletic app now. Michael Cox also written a couple of interesting articles. One about English clubs having a great opportunity, a golden opportunity, I think he called it, in the Champions League this year. And also looking at where recent title winners have had weaknesses. Andy Mitton, he says that none... Of the Premier League title winners have ever had a weakness in central midfield. Does that bother you? Any of the Manchester United ones or any clubs in general? Any clubs in general. He said that goalkeeper and central midfield are two of the key areas where clubs have had particular strengths yeah. in title wins. And there are maybe two of the areas that are questioned. Yeah, and the best Man United uh, teams have had. And it just leads us back into the doubts that people have about, about Fred and McTominay and Matic, who came on yesterday. Matic... Cool as a cucumber, bang, there you go, Jesse, slam that in, three points, king of Serbia, there he goes. With uh, this current Manchester United team, no one's going to pick out the central midfield and say this is a strong point. You've got all the attacking talent, can't wait to see Cavani back, by the way. You've got the defence, which is a bit more settled. You've got De Gea, who we've spoken about. And we're going to keep coming back to this and it's going to keep being highlighted when they don't have a, a stellar match. I don't think Scott had his best game yesterday. Um, he made a couple of important interceptions. He did get whacked as well uh, with with the ball. But is he canty standard? He's a he's a flavour of the month, isn't he? Uh, even though there are other very very good uh, players at Chelsea, you can probably tell in the hesitation in my voice that I know that there isn't a top world class midfield player there. I don't see Real Madrid saying we're preparing our transfer war chest to buy Fred from Manchester United this year. That is just not the reality of it. I'm not going to write Fred off either. I've seen Fred be man of the match in a Manchester derby away in a victory at Manchester City. I just think sometimes a bit of patience with him. He knows he's not playing the best football of his career. And Ollie, Ollie tends to know what he's doing. You know, Jesse Lingard would have been sold six times over by most Manchester United fans. Mm. He would have been. Do you know, actually, I thought that was really interesting in David Moyes' pre-match from the weekend, Carl, that he was so overt saying that Solskjaer said Lingard's not going anywhere right at the start of the summer because we were all waiting to see Lingard leave, weren't we, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was... I really dislike using the term dead wood or dead weight, but a lot of the conversation was can Ollie shift the dead weight to bring in new players? And it was often this conversation, can, can Lingard be used as a lure to get Declan Rice in? Whereas I think, you know, Lingard has proved himself to be a, a, a good footballer, one of the better football players in the Premier League on his own on his own merits and whatnot. So, yeah, all good. Solskjaer's good at this. He's good at parts of this for sure. Good to see you smiling, Carl. I want to see <laughs> you doing your jaunty walk to West Ham this week and the team doing doing well. It's, look, 
look look at the league table. The team are in a far far better place than in recent seasons, and they need to be. But but they are absolutely best place they've been since Ferguson's retirement. Feel good feeling around the club is the best since Ferguson's retirement. The squad is the best it's been since Ferguson's retirement. When I did the piece last week, looking at all of Solskjaer's defeats in the Champions League, if you compare that squad from the first defeat against PSG in early 2019 to late 2020, it's light and day. Solskjaer's very good at iteration and changing things quickly, be it substitutions or whatnot, and recognising that sort of thing. And the next step is, can you iterate quickly enough at the same rate as all the other teams above you, in air quotes, as Liverpool, as Man City, as whatnot? Because this United team have all the hallmarks of a team that we'll probably call great entertainers, right? And when it clicks, we keep talking about when it clicks and when the magic happens, it's great. You also want to have the question of, how do you make sure you bottle lightning so you can take that magic from week to week to week to week? And I asked Solskjaer this question last season, and he said it's a gradual thing. It comes not just on the tactics, but it also comes down to fitness, and it comes down to making sure you have the right above-the-shoulders attributes. And I think one thing we've said about three or four players on this podcast, this episode, is they're all going to come good. Sancho's going to come good, we all know. Maguire's going to come good, we all know. We're hoping guys like Scott McTominay and Fred will come good later this season as well. And as long as everyone is looking up and thinking the bar chart goes up, happy days. See? Absolutely. I'm not a grump. There, there, there will be more I'm setbacks. not a grump. It's real life. Brilliant. You know, we all have this idealised version of where Manchester United are going and what will happen. And I'll see you for a pint in St. Petersburg before the Champions League final. There's going to be bumps um, along the way. And there's been a few times when Van Hal had a very good spring. I thought, he knows what he's doing, Mr. Van Hal. I remember the Jose team about a year before he went in the December when they went to Arsenal. And I thought, this is clicking very nicely. And then I think Sanchez came in. Now we're on the way back to greatness. And Jose signed a new <laughs> contract. Jose's at the wheel. And, and it didn't happen. There are, there are absolutely no guarantees here. Didn't quite have those moments in the David Moyes spell. I think, I think Patrice's... Swansea away was all right. Yes, the first game. Really interesting that day because Wayne Rooney thought that he was going to get pelters from United fans and he didn't from all of them. Really interesting the psychology of that day. I think uh, Evra's goal in Munich, that was like the best, the best like 38 seconds. And <laughs> I, I, I spoke to Moyes after that. I said, what, what were you thinking? Come on, off the record, what were you thinking? And he said, I'll go on the record with it. He was thinking, just end the game now. It was, I think it was after like... 56 minutes <laughs> and Everett just rocketed yep. bang against a clearly a superior Bayern Munich team. I'm glad it's on a much more firmer setting now. That's how it seems to me. And it might not be super exciting all of the time, but it seems to be built on more solid foundations now. Okay. Well, before our pot noodles go cold and our Pepsi goes flat, we should wrap things up there, shouldn't we? Thank you guys at home for listening. Carl and Andy, thank you for being with us as well. We'll be back on Thursday with all the reactions to that League Cup game, Chapter 2 against West Ham and also Saturday's match against Aston Villa. See you then. Athletic.